Hello, Ola in Konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Breland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast out there fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I, of course, am talking about those fighting on the upcoming prelims of UFC fight cards. This weekend is UFC 241, the card you've all been waiting for. It is a loaded card on the top with DC versus Stipe Miocic in the rematch. Plus, we got Nate Diaz versus Anthony Pettis, Paulo Costa versus Yoel Romero. It is a loaded card, but if you're familiar with the show, you would know we are only talking about the prelim portion of that card. Now, the reason for that is really simple if you are new to the show, and it's because you've probably heard breakdowns of those fights. You're probably really familiar with the fighters. You know how you feel about it. But you probably don't know about all these guys in the prelims, and and that's really where the money is to be made in daily fantasy sports and gambling. And speaking of daily fantasy sports, I'd like to let you guys know that this podcast is brought to you exclusively by BSMMA.com. BSMMA.com is completely changing the way that you play daily fantasy sports, and it's really simple on why they do that. It's because they, they focus just on MMA. So let me give you the breakdown here. You go to one of the other guys, one of the other guys using salary caps. BSMMA, no salary caps. So you don't have to worry about, you know, figuring out which guy who you don't actually believe is going to win has a better chance at it. No, no, no. You just pick five winners. That's it. Then you can pick how they win and in the round they win. You also do not have to worry about losing because of some amount of leg kicks or one guy has more significant strikes than the other. No, 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 no. Once again, you just pick five fighters, the round and their methods to win. And that's it. You win based on the fact that you knew what was going to happen. And what's more fun about playing daily fantasy sports than that. And if you're still not sold yet, BSMMA.com wants to give you your first free contest on the house for a $20 Amazon gift card. All you got to do is sign in and use contest code prelim 12 that's prelim one two prelim 12 get on there and get picking and to help you out with those picks over on bsmma.com i've enlisted the help of a savvy co-host i'm once again joined by daniel levy you may know him from bestfightpicks.com and the half the battle podcast daniel thank you so much for joining me again it's my pleasure man i'm very excited to talk fights obviously the heavyweight championship is on the line but as you know we are hardcore fans here on the prelim primer, so let's get down to business on these prelims. All right, yeah, the prelims are actually loaded here, too, but as you guys know, we can't get to them until we put five minutes on the clock. All right, we're going to start this first round by talking about a fight that has title implications on the prelims, and that's Rafael Asuncao versus Corey Sanhagen. Asuncao, he's 4-1 and one in his last five. He just lost his four-fight win streak by a submission to Marlon Marias. Uh, which was probably a title eliminator. Corey Sanhagen, 4-0 and in the UFC. He just decisioned John Lineker. Uh, here's my question for you. How do you expect Sanhagen to do against the guy who isn't a tad reckless like John Lineker is? Man, this is such an unbelievable matchup. And when you talk about a guy like Rafael Asuncao, not only is he a perennial top five guy in that weight class, but he's literally he's literally cleared out the entire top 15. I mean, you're talking about a guy with wins over TJ Dillashaw, Marlon Marais, Aljamain Sterling, Pedro Munoz, Rob Fon. I could go on. So Rafael Asuncao is as seasoned, as experienced, and as credentialed as it gets. But at some point, you know, he's 37 years old. How long can you stay at the top? Now, when you really don't present much of a threat, 
he's gonna he's gonna keep his spot and he's gonna beat you. But when you're a guy like Corey Sanhagen, who I like to call him the output king because he literally has almost triple the output of Rafael Asuncao, which is something insane. And not only that, he's got an unbelievable chin. To go out there and stand and bang with a guy like John Lineker and eat his best shots flush, that just tells me that this kid might be a future world champion. And I know it's always first L time inside the octagon, and Rafael Asuncao is the perfect guy to hand that first L. But I think on Saturday night, uh, we're going to see... We're going to see a coming out party because I got Corey Sanhagen here. Yeah, I think I'm leaning towards Corey Sanhagen too. One of the things I'm really interested in this matchup too is the height difference. Corey Sanhagen is a huge freaking bantamweight compared to Havaila Sunso. There's going to be a six-inch height difference here, 5'5 to 5'11. And I think that combined with what you said before, the output, if this goes to decision, which I kind of think it's going to, I'm leaning Sanhagen. So my official pick, I'm going to go Sanhagen by decision. How about you? Yeah, you know, it'll be interesting to see how it actually plays out. You know, I I think the output is the most important thing here because Rafael likes to slow fights down, and that's the opposite of what Corey does. So if it goes to the scorecards, I definitely got Corey. But at the same time, Rafael is coming off a finished loss. It wouldn't surprise me if he got finished again. So I'm not sure the method, but I'm definitely picking the winner as Corey Sanhagen. All right, and let's get to our second fight, which is another exciting one. We got Manny Bermudez versus Casey Kenny. Bermudez is 3-0 in the UFC with all submission wins. His most recent one was against Benito Lopez. He's fighting Casey Kenny, who's 1-0 in the UFC, who just recently defeated Ray Borg in his UFC debut. Of course, Borg going up in weight. Now, with him beating Borg, but it also being up in weight, it's impressive, but there's sort of a caveat behind it. Do you think that that win had more to do with how strong he is and how, you know, his abilities, or do you think it had more to do with size and board really not belonging in that weight class? Nah, man, I would give Casey Kenny all the credit in the world for that win, because not only is he going in there with an experienced uh, former title challenger and Ray Borg, a guy who beat Juicier Formiga, by the way, but Casey Kenny took that fight on one week notice off the couch he, he was eating a bowl of Lucky Charms when they gave him the call. So I give Casey Kenny all the credit in the world for going out there and uh, beating Ray Borg in a grappling competition, no less, inside the octagon. So that was pretty amazing. And here with Manny Bermudez, look, it's the same story it's always been. He's uh, one of the most elite submission artists in the Bantamweight division. So basically, without sounding disrespectful, it's sub or bust for Manny Bermudez here. So... He's either going to come out here and choke uh, Casey Kenny out in the first or second round, or I think he's going to get out-hustled because there's been proof in the one fight where he wasn't able to get that sub against Saul Almeida. We all saw what happened there, and I think that if Casey Kenny can drag him to those deep waters, he may, he might be able to have that same success. So I'm going to go with Casey Kenny for the upset. Uh, I think I'm going to lean Manny Bermudez here just because in what I saw from Casey Kenny against Ray Borg is that like Ray Borg is a guy when you scramble with him, he tries to scramble to get on top. He's very much a positional guy. He very much cares about when he's scrambling, making sure he ends in a good position. Whereas Bermudez, when he scrambles, looks for the neck. And he's going to go for the neck right away. And I think that Casey Kenny probably would have presented Borg with a couple of those options. So I, I think you're right. But I'm going to go with Manny Bermudez here by submission. Do you got a method for Casey? Do you think he decide, uh decisions, Manny? Yeah, I mean, I, I'll go with the decision here. Manny's pretty tough. 
All right, and that is exactly five minutes, and you know how we do it here. We're going to take a quick break to talk to our sponsors, and we'll be right back with round number two. So it's a big fight card this weekend. We've already talked about some of the fights on the prelims. We've mentioned some of the fights on the main card. You're going to have a whole bunch of friends maybe around your house, or maybe you're going over a friend's house to watch the fights. The best way to hang out with your friends is by their, using bsmma.com's create a contest option. You can invite all of the friends there, throw a little bit of money down, and see who is the best at picking things. And it's fully customizable. Maybe you want the whole jackpot to go to one person. Maybe you want to spread it out a little bit more evenly amongst the top finishers. Maybe you want 100 people in the contest. Maybe you want two people in the contest. Whatever it is you want, bsmma.com has got the create a contest option for you. Now, head on over there and get picking. And we are back with round number two. We're going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jakar Close versus Christos Giagos. Close is one, two in a row. He's four and one in the UFC. He just recently decisioned Bobby Green and Lando Venata. Uh, and then we got Christos Giagos, who is in his second stint in the UFC. But in this stint, he's two and one. He lost a short notice fight to Charles Oliveira to get back in the UFC. And since then, has beaten Mizuto Hirota and Demir Hadjavik. So uh, it's really no secret what Giagos is looking for here, right? Like he loves to grapple with Close being so much stronger than his last two opponents. Can he deal with it? Man, this is a really interesting fight because I feel like Christos Giagos is one of those guys that's quietly been flying under the radar. I feel like I've counted him out in a lot of spots, and he's really gone out there and proven me wrong, uh, especially that fight against Demir Hadzovic. I thought Demir was going to go out there and be able to maneuver around uh, Christos Giagos, and man, Christos overpowered him in a way that was really eye-opening. But the interesting thing is that he tends to slow down around that seven-minute mark and with Drakkar close, the beautiful thing about this matchup is he's one of those guys that starts slow and takes over late. So if this hits the scorecards, it's going to be really interesting. That's why from a betting perspective, I do think it's a dog or pass situation. But as a pure pick, I'm going to go with Drakkar close. I say he wins the second and third rounds and gets a decision here. Yeah, I, I think you're 100% right about that is that I'm I'm really worried about Yagos late in the game. Um, and and you know, we talked about in that last fight in the first round, Manny Bermudez being sort of like a sub or bust. I, I almost kind of feel the way, same way about Giagos here. I don't think he's going to win a decision against Drakkar Close. And as a result, I don't think he's going to get the submission. I'm also going to go with Drakkar Close by decision. And that's going to take us to our second fight in the second round, which is Kyungho Kang versus Brandon Davis. So Kang is 2-1 and one since returning from his mandatory military service in Korea. He beat Guido Canetti, or got beat by Guido Canetti, or no, beat Guido Canetti, lost to Hikardo Hamos, and beat uh, Ishihara by rear naked choke. Davis is 2-3 and three in the UFC. He just beat Randy Costa by rear naked choke. His losses are to Zabit Magomed Sharapov, uh, Barzola, and Bochniak, which is a hell of a list. Now, this one kind of comes down to being a grappler versus striker showdown. Uh, Davis has been taken down a lot, but obviously I just mentioned the three people who beat him. There's a reason he's been taken down a lot. Do you think he's been taken down a lot because of those guys or because there's a clear skill deficiency there? 
I mean, it's a little bit of both, man, because he's definitely a guy that prefers to train uh, the striking over the grappling, right? But, I mean, look, he's a well-rounded mixed martial artist at the end of the day. But when you're fighting guys like Enrique Barzola, who is a Peruvian wrestling champion, and Zabit, you know, I don't need to say anything else about that guy. You understand why he's been getting taken down the way he has. But here against Kyung Ho Kang, that's what's really going to let us know where Brandon Davis is at. Because, man, Kyung Ho Kang is as tough as they come. Win, lose, or draw, this guy's going to go out there, put it all on the line. And uh, I really too, I really believe these two are going to stand and bang until uh, one man falls. Because if you watch their last fights, I mean, they pretty much went similar ways. I mean, both guys were having absolute brawls. And uh, both men ended their fights via rear naked choke. I think that's why... Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard wanted to match them together. I think they're going to have an all-out war here. But here's the thing, man. We talk about striker versus grappler, but the thing is, after Kyung Ho Kang, after Kyung Ho Kang came back from that military leave, so he he fought that fight with Tanaka in 2014. Then he didn't come back until I, I believe 2017. He hasn't really been shooting as many takedowns lately, man. He really likes to stand and brawl. And I think that that might be his downfall in this spot because I think Brandon Davis has the sharper striking. I think Brandon Davis is actually going to get an upset here, knock out Kyung Ho Kang, and possibly get a 50K bonus. Yeah, I think you're right too. So, you know, if you look back, Kyung Ho Kang is wrestling a lot less uh, since he, he left. He, he shot only, I think at the most, two takedowns in any of those three fights. And over the course of three fights, he's he's shot five takedowns. He's three for five. And, and when you compare that to fights that happened before, I mean, he had, you know, like two or three every single fight before. He had five against Alex Caceres. So, like, it almost does seem like he's fallen in love with his hands. I think I'm still going to go with him because I think if he gets tagged, he can save himself by taking him down and, like, winning rounds that way. Um, but I, I definitely see your point. I'm going to go with Kyung Ho Kang by decision. And that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We got three fights, so we're going to have to go a little extra speedy in the third round. But we'll be right back with that after a word from our sponsors. So we already talked about BSMMA.com simplifying daily fantasy sports for MMA for you, right? You just pick five fighters, how they're going to win, and in what round you think they're going to win. But they also have a bonus option too. You can add a special bonus if you have a really good understanding of how that fighter could win, right? Like maybe you know that fighter is really good at takedowns. You add the AC Slater bonus, you get three extra points for every single one of their takedowns. It's how you can prove that you're actually smart about MMA, right? And all those other sites, if your guy throws a whole bunch of leg kicks, you win, right? Cool. But you didn't know that. Prove to people you actually know things in a format that makes sense, bsmma.com. Now, Back for round three. And we are back with round number three. Going to put another five minutes on the clock. All right, we're going to start this round talking about Clay Collard versus Devontae Smith. Now, Devontae Smith, 2-0 in the UFC, both violent finishes of Julian Juicy J. Arosa and Deong Hung Ma. He was supposed to fight John McDessie in this fight who dropped out for Clay Collard, who was released from the UFC in 2015. He's gone 4-1 on the regional circuit. Since then, uh, I'll keep this one real simple. Do you see any path that Collard doesn't just wind up being on the highlight reel of Devontae Smith? I mean, look, ultimately I am picking uh, Devontae Smith to win this fight via highlight real knockout. But the thing is, Clay Collard, I mean, 
I do want to give him some respect. He's got a lot of experience. I'll say this. He's fought higher-level competition than Devontae Smith. Uh, Clay Collard's been in there with a guy like Max Holloway. And, you know, at least Clay, Clay Collard's going to come in here and he's going to fight. And he's a very exciting guy. And I highly recommend everyone listening to this go back and check out his fight against Justin Buckles. It's a, it's an underground classic. But look, at the end of the day, I think the speed difference and the calf kicks of Devontae Smith are going to be the reason. And I'm picking him to win this fight. Yeah, I think you said it all right there. The fact that Collard comes forward only makes it like a better fight for Devontae Smith, which is unfortunate because, like you said, Collard's a good guy. I'm going with Devontae Smith early finish. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Hannah Cyphers versus Jody Escobel. Cyphers won and one in the UFC. She beat Pollyanna Viana and lost to Macy Barber. Escobel, 0-3 in the UFC. Those losses come to Carolina Kovalkiewicz, Jessica Aguilera, and Angela Hill. Uh, give us the long and the short for, for those who are not super familiar with Hannah Cyphers. Yeah, I mean, pretty much it's uh, kind of interesting because if you hear her talk, you know, she's very, very quiet, very humble. You're kind of like, wait, this chick's a fighter? But then she's out there. She actually has uh, not – no, she actually has a lot of knockouts on her record uh, compared to, you know, most of the women in her division, which is kind of interesting. So the girl's a killer out there. But here with Jody Escobel, I mean, Jody's got to be so hungry for a win. She's 0-3 inside the octagon. I mean, she desperately needs a win. Look, I think that the line in terms of the betting odds might be a little bit too wide. You know, I, I would, I personally would not lay three to one on Hannah Cyphers. But at the end of the day, I think it's going to be a little bit close. But I think she slightly edges out Jody Escobel here. Yeah, I think this is a decision fight all over the place. And I think, you know, like you said, Escavel's going to come out hungry. I've never been really all that impressed with her gas tank, and I've never really been all that impressed with her output. And for that reason, Cyphers is she's got the highlight reel knockout. She's got the the forward pressure. She's got the footwork. And I just think you're probably right. It's not a three to one fight, but this is Cyphers' fight to lose, and I'm going to go with her by decision. Uh, and that brings us to our very last fight of the night, which is Sabina Mazo versus Shayna Dobson. And Mazo. A huge prospect when she first got signed, uh, but she lost her debut to Marina Mraz. Uh, Dobson, 1-1 one one in the UFC. She beat Ariel Beck in her debut and just recently lost to Lauren Muller. So here's the question. So Mazo loses in her debut. Is she still the prospect we all dreamed about? Well, I don't know uh, who you're referring to when we say we all, because uh, if you listen to Half the Battle, uh, we let you all know off the bat that Moroz is probably going to go out there and win that fight, man. Because, I, I mean, basically what happened in, in those regional fights was, you know, a bunch of nothing, and then all of a sudden, a big head kick. So everyone was like, oh, man, this girl's out here knocking people out with head kicks. And then they put her in there with Marina Moroz, and, you know, people can say all they want about Marina, oh, you know, she uh, she strikes the air and makes tennis sounds. But at the end of the day, Marina Moroz is a person who went out there and finished Joanne Calderwood in the first round. Here with Shayna Dobson, we're talking about a three and two fighter. So I think this is this is the right kind of matchup for Sabina Mazo to go out there and I guess live up to whatever hype uh, people were talking about. But I, I just feel like uh, this is kind of going to be reminiscent of the last time Kings MMA fought against uh, Team Lloyd Irvin. And uh, I got I got Kings MMA on this one. I'm going Sabina Mazo. 
Yeah, and I, I guess my hype behind her is the fact that she's, you know, she's 22 years old, right? Like, she was, you know, when you want to feel real old, she was born in 1997. Like, so, <laughs> like, she she's a fighter who I think has got a lot of youth behind her. And, yeah, the head kicks gave extra hype. I'm hyped behind her striking, and I think you're right. This fight against Shayna Dobson is designed to be the fight that she should have gotten in the first place all along. I'm going to go with decision here because I think, you know, while she does have those two highlight reels, those aren't necessarily indicative of the way she fights. The way she fights is is some pretty stylish kickboxing, but mostly to score points. So I'm going to go with Mazo by decision, and that's going to do it for the third round in all of our fights. Uh, make sure you got you guys check out all of that on UFC 241 prelims this Saturday before you catch the main card because there are some good ones on here and they're sure to help you on your daily fantasy lineups, especially if you're playing on BSMMA. So uh, I want to once again thank Daniel for joining me. I could not do this without you. Thanks again for joining, man. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, All the listeners of the show, thank you guys so much for listening. You can follow me at Best Fight Picks. My show, Half the Battle, is available everywhere that podcasts are found, and my bets are at bestfivepicks.com. Thank you again, man.